This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily. It's cup final weekend and there are two heavyweights set to slug it out on Wembley Way. Liverpool chasing four titles this season, looking to add trophy number two to their cabinet. They face a Chelsea side who are looking to avenge their final failure last season. Concern off the pitch for the Blues, but will there be celebrations on it come Saturday night? We'll look ahead to that, as well as some massive Premier League fixtures. Leeds, Everton and Burnley all play this weekend as they continue that battle to beat the drop, whilst Manchester City will look to apply further pressure to Jurgen Klopp when they travel to the capital to take on West Ham. Plus, with just a week left of the season to go, what do players actually do when that final whistle blows on the last day? Thankfully, we've got a couple of people on today's podcast who can help us find out. Welcome along to the show. This is The Dugout, the Premier League podcast featuring former top flight players. My name's Niall and joining me today, two players who played for the South Coast's second most successful club, Francis Benali and Dean Hammond are here. Hello, chaps. Good, good to see you, Niall. Yeah, that's one way of introducing it. <laughs> Sorry about that. There's only a week to go of the season, so I had to get it in there somehow. I'm running out of time here, you see. Uh, Francis, is, of course, a legend at St. Mary's. Dean Hammond also had success with Southampton as well as playing for Brighton and Leicester City too. So let's get stuck straight in because there's loads to go at on today's show and we'll begin at the FA Cup final which takes place on Saturday night. It is Chelsea versus Liverpool under the arch at the National Stadium. The FA Cup final 2022. Now over history, Franny, the build-up from a fan's perspective ahead of the FA Cup final has always been an exciting one. A few nerves thrown in there as well. You've been in the process of building up to an FA Cup final when you were at Southampton. So what is that process like as a player? Are they similar feelings to what the fans get? Yeah, I guess there is that that mixture of anticipation and some nerves in there as well. You know, it's a, a very different occasion. Um, there's a lot of excitement around it. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a nice position to be in quite clearly. Uh, you know, I, I had it literally as I was about to retire from playing. So it, it seemed to have a bit more added importance for me personally at the time because I knew it was going to be my last playing season. Um, I knew I wouldn't really be playing 
in in that sense, but I was part of the squad. I played a couple of games en route to the final, and it was nice to have played a small part. But um, you know, it's, it's it's such a huge occasion. I think you know, I don't know how Dino views it, but uh, you know, certainly I know many many players and supporters still view it as probably the the best domestic cup competition still in the world, and um, you know, it still holds a special place for me. And it's just been a shame that you know, as a, a former player. You know, and Dino's been in this position at Saints as well that, you know, we haven't been able to replicate what the Southampton 76 side did way back and put another piece of silverware on the, on the, on the, the mantelpiece. But yeah, as an occasion, it's going to be absolutely incredible for the players, staff, all the supporters involved for both sides. Well, you talk about the occasion, Franny, and Trevor Stephen, who you both know well, who often appears on this podcast, has mentioned before that when he was sort of growing up and during his playing days and his pomp in the 80s, FA Cup final day was, you know, almost as big as whoever won the Premier League. And it is a, a bit of a shame, Dean, to see that the FA Cup has kind of fallen down the pecking order in terms of importance. But there's no doubt when you get to the Wembley occasion, as these Chelsea and Liverpool players have done, they'll want to win it as much as anything else. 100% no, and like you say, I think it in the past it has fallen down, but I think there's a kind of recovery for the FA Cup. I think the excitement is coming back, definitely. Um, the bigger teams are taking it more seriously, as you can probably see from the final being Chelsea v, v Liverpool. Um, but it's such a special day, such a special occasion, and I think you ask the fans, they, they love it. Every football club wants a cup run, especially in the FA Cup, because it's such a special competition you get to play at the national stadium at Wembley a full house you know not every player gets that opportunity to to, to play at Wembley so it's still um, an ambition um, for lots and obviously winning a trophy is what you want to do as a player like I've mentioned before that the memories that's what you remember as a player those special occasions those winning those trophies with your teammates with the fans the celebration celebrating with your family that's what you really remember so I think the FA Cup has made a bit of recovery in the, in the last few years. And maybe that's due to the fact that a lot of the teams in the Premier League know they're probably not going to win the Premier League because Liverpool and Man City are so strong. Um, so are Chelsea, are Tottenham and Arsenal. Maybe take it a little bit more seriously because that's probably the only competition they're likely um, to win. So there'll be huge excitement from the fans and the players for this game. And it's a massive game. This is a really, really good game. As we saw in in the um, uh, League Cup final, which was a great game. Nil-nil, but a really entertaining nil-nil. Yeah, of course, Liverpool won that game on penalties to pick up their first trophy. They're still in with a shout of four trophies. But before we do talk about the Reds, you've actually played at Wembley and won a trophy at Wembley, Dean, if I'm right in remembering you won the EFL trophy there. What's that day like? You mentioned special memories, celebrating with fans and families and stuff. But take us through... The day you wake up, I mean, are you having hotel breakfast? You're on the bus. How big are the changing rooms? How big's the pitch? Talk us through it. What's it like? Well, it's a brilliant occasion, like you're saying. It starts, it would start the day before when we went up with the Southampton. Uh, we won the Paints Trophy. Um, we went up quite early the day before and stayed in the hotel overnight. And Alan Pardew was the manager at the time, uh, wanted us to relax and actually encouraged the players to have a, a beer to, or a glass of wine just to kind of settle the nerves so that we could sleep. Um, but the morning, just one. <laughs> so, so, let's put it away. Some players took the advantage of that, and some didn't. But it was only one. But I think the staff had a few more than one. But um, the day of the game, the morning, you try to keep to a normal routine. That's encouraged from um, the coaching staff. That's where the coaching staff really 
earn their money in terms of just keeping the players relaxed, keeping the players calm. It will start with a, a team breakfast. It will, you'll have a walk before you you start thinking about going to, to towards the stadium. Um, we always used to, at Southampton, we always used to have um, a kind of highlights and video on the bus, probably 10, 15 minutes before we get to the ground, just showing clips of the season, goals, just to build a bit of confidence and belief in you. We always had a song... Um, that would come, I can't remember the song now, but a song that would come on to try and motivate the players probably two or three minutes before we got to the to the ground, which made the game feel a bit familiar. Um, but pulling up to Wembley when we played, you know, there was so many Southampton fans. We we I've said it many times on on different interviews, but we knew we were going to win that day. There was so many red and white everywhere for Southampton. We knew what it meant to the club. It was kind of the start of the the recovery of the club when we were in League One. Um, I think there was. 60 plus thousand Southampton fans there that day. Um, you walk into the dressing room, special occasion for me personally, never been to the new Wembley before that, never been in the dressing rooms before that. The dressing rooms are huge, like you say, we had the, the home dressing room, so we had the advantage as well. Um, but yeah, I'm walking out on the pitch, it, it seemed huge, massive. Um, the fans were there early, so there was a there was an atmosphere before we even came out for the, for the warm-up. And I must admit, the nerves hit me as I was warming up, and I didn't really ever get nervous, if I'm honest, um, more in the preparation and the build-up, but actually walking out for the warm-up, I got a bit of a really dry mouth and couldn't really speak, if, if I'm honest, which is not <laughs> like me. Um, and then you come out, it's a bit more of an occasion, the, the manager actually walks you out, you stand in a line, you have the national anthem, and it kind of builds up. But once a whistle goes, um, it, it's, it's very, very different, and it just turned into um, a football match. But the build-up for me was always almost bigger than the game. The game just kind of took care of itself. Your instinct took over, took over then. I was actually in the st- stadium as a supporter that day and it, it was, it was just the most magical day. You know, Dino's experiences from the player's perspective, but even as a supporter, like going to Wembley full stop to watch your team in a cup final is just the best thing ever. And then to see Dino along with Kelvin Davis and the rest of the team lift the trophy as well. It just put the icing on top of the cake, you know, the whole occasion, um, the celebrations afterwards as well. It's it's just one of those occasions, especially when it's in a major cup competition. To see your team be there is one thing, but to see them win the event as well is just takes it again to another level. Do you know what? I think because we're so used to watching games at Wembley on the telly, whether it be England or cup semi-finals or whatever, you actually forget how big Wembley is. You know, 90,000 seats. It doesn't get any bigger than that in terms of a football stadium. I mean, Old Trafford's a, a massive venue, 75,000. You can add another sort of Fratton Park on top of that, for want of a better description, you know, uh, and you've got Wembley. It's a, an incredible place to play. Um, somewhere that Liverpool and Chelsea both know very, very well, of course, Franny. And Liverpool, they can still win four trophies this season, a quadruple. Although it's looking probably unlikely that they'll win the Premier League now with the way things have gone in recent weeks, they could also still end the season with just one trophy. Let's say if they don't win the Champions League and they lose to Chelsea here and they don't win the Premier League, that must be quite a strange feeling amongst the Liverpool players to know that with one week left of the domestic season, you could potentially win four trophies. Or from here on in, you could potentially win nothing. It's, it must be a strange, strange dynamic. It's, it is a strange dynamic, Niall, isn't it? it quite clearly, and and I, I genuinely believe they'll they'll be on very much that that focused approach in game by game scenario at the moment, as we we hear managers and players talk about, and even us as pundits discussing. They, that that will be their focus. You know, they'll they'll be aware that there's that potential to win 
you know, four, albeit unlikely, as you say. Um, you've got to say that City, you know, certainly for me at the moment, the well, best place is for, for City to win and lose the Premier League for me. But, you know, it, it could still be an absolutely incredible season for Liverpool. Um, but if the worst happened and it was just one trophy, that 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 is still a, a possibility as well. And that's the, the margins when you, you, you're sort of fighting on all these fronts. And it's, it's something that, you know, has never been done before. But if it were to be say, a treble, for example, they would still look back on this as one of the most incredible seasons they've ever had. Yeah, before we started recording the show, Dean, we were kind of talking about Liverpool between ourselves and you were saying about how, you know, they could reach, the, uh, you know, 90 plus points and not win the, the, the Premier League title. Um, we know how good Real Madrid are in European football. They could end up beating Liverpool in the Champions League final. They could lose easily to Chelsea this weekend. I mean, it's just crazy that Liverpool, one of the best sides we've seen in the Premier League probably ever, and they're just up against a Manchester City side who are equally as good, if not a tiny little bit better. And they could end a season where they've been phenomenal with just the, the one piece of silverware. I mean, it would be crazy to, to, to think that happening because we've all spoke about the quadruple and, and how good Liverpool are and what they're going to win um, for such a long period of time now. Uh, Man City are an exceptional team as well. I think Liverpool are a machine. They just know how to win. Um, I think there's been evidence of that over the last probably four to six weeks where they've probably not been at their best, but they just find a way um, of winning. But... Fran is touching it. At this point, you know that they're top professionals. They've been in this situation before. They've, they've won trophies. They've won the Premier League. They've won the Champions League. Um, so they'll have an understanding of what it takes to, to, to win trophies. And the biggest thing is they'll expect to win the, you know, the remaining competitions they're in. They'll expect to win the FA Cup. They'll expect to win the Champions League. And if I'm honest, they're almost... They're realistic, but they'll still expect to win the Premier League. They're... they're, they're Top professionals are like that. They're winners. They'll be a, they'll be realistic that Man City have got to slip up, but they'll still be be believing. Um, and if they did it, I mean, it would be the greatest achievement, I think, ever, really, um, in any sport. Because not only for the achievement, but because of how good Man City are. But I think Man City will go on um, to win the Premier League. I think they've, you know, with the result last night, I think that could have been the biggest banana skin. But they dominated balls and, and performed very, very well. So they're an exceptional team, Man City. But I love watching Liverpool play. Uh, you know, I think they're a great team. They've got really good history. They've got a brilliant manager. Um, but it will be very interesting because Real Madrid, wow, what a game that's going to be. Um, Chelsea, in a one-off game, can beat anyone. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, we've touched upon this on the podcast before, but the fact that Liverpool have reached the Champions League final means that they would have played in, if you discount the Community Shield at the start of the season, every single match they could have possibly played in this season, they have done, which is just incredible when you think about it. They've reached the final of every competition. Obviously, there's all the league games. It's just insane. And, you know, Jurgen Klopp complaining about the fixture schedule and complaining about player welfare and he's managed to keep his side pretty much fit the whole season they've played every game um if they do win though Franny let's say they beat Chelsea and win the FA Cup much like you were saying a minute ago because they're focusing on the other competitions and taking it a game at a time I suppose they won't really have much of a chance to celebrate properly for want of a better term will there be any mindset around that is it important to make sure you do enjoy winning trophies because you know they're the things that players want to achieve and they don't always come around regularly yeah, there's. It's going to be a, a weird dynamic. Let's let's assume that they they win the trophy and they beat Chelsea. Quite clearly, they will 
want to celebrate and I think they will celebrate but I think it'll be you know sort of almost controlled celebrations shall we say for want of a better expression um, because I think it's right to celebrate the success that a team and a group of people have in a club whenever they do come along because it is so important um, and it can quite clearly be few and far between so I think it's important to celebrate those successes when they do come along but given the scenario that they are in they will quickly have to click their mind back into that refocusing on back to business scenario and approaching the next game and the next final very very quickly and uh, I guess that's going to be the skill predominantly and not just the players themselves but Jurgen Klopp and his staff to to manage that and how they control that as well. I'm conscious we've spoken a lot about Liverpool and discounted Chelsea almost Dean but we can't do that because They've reached the final of a number of competitions under Thomas Tuchel. They, of course, won the Champions League. They lost to Leicester in last season's FA Cup final. So they want to kind of put that right. And all of the things that are going on off the field with Roman Abramovich and potential new bidders and owners coming into the club, we still don't know whether Chelsea will even be in the Premier League next season. This is a great opportunity for those players on the pitch, of which several will be moving on, as we found out in recent weeks, the likes of Rudiger, etc. It's a great chance for them to achieve something as a group, as a, as a team, because... Even though perhaps they've been through adversity off the field, they've they've managed to continue to perform to an extent on it, and that would be a great way to mark that with an FA Cup trophy. Totally agree. I think they have performed now. Man City and Liverpool, I think, are on the next level that Chelsea are not quite at, at yet. Um, they're third in the Premier League. They're in an FA Cup final. Um, they lost to Real Madrid. I think it was in the quarterfinals of the Champions League that looked like they were obviously in the final and got a chance of winning it. So there's no disgrace in how they performed this year. Would they have expected to be a little bit closer to the top two, um, potentially? Um, but I think they've got a real chance against Liverpool. Like you say, they'll still be hurting from that cup defeat last year to, to Leicester, which they would have been expected to, to win, and they didn't. Um, but they won the Champions League, which was a, a massive achievement. But I think if you look at the Chelsea team, Mason Mount is performing brilliantly again at the moment. He's in great form. Rhys James has, has come back in and been exceptional. Really has. He he looks like, well, he is a top player, but I think he's getting better and better. Um, and Lukaku's come back into the team. You know, Lukaku is best. Let's be honest. He's unplayable. You know, he really, really is. If he's in the mood and he wants to play and he's got a point to prove and he's confident, he's very, very difficult to play against. And Chelsea have got world-class players. So, I think this is going to be a really, really close game. Like we saw in, in the League Cup final, there's not much between the two teams, especially on a one-off game. You know, a consistent season, maybe there is. But in a one-off game, this is a flick of a coin. And I think it will be a brilliant game of football. And I know it doesn't matter too much because players change and there's a turnover in playing staff, etc. But Chelsea are pretty good at Wembley. Um, and I think they've been there more regularly than Liverpool. Whether that will have an impact, I'm not so sure. One nice little quip to finish on, though, is that if Rhys James and Chelsea win the FA Cup this weekend and Lauren James playing for Chelsea women win the FA Cup, it would be the first brother and sister combo to have uh, shared in joint FA Cup success. So that would be a, a nice one for the James family, should that happen. But we're going to move away from the FA Cup under the arch at Wembley. And next, we're going to talk about some of the big Premier League games taking place this weekend. And stress on that word big, Leeds, Everton and Burnley all still fighting the drop. Massive games for them this weekend. We'll talk about them next. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily With Lucky Land Slots you can get lucky just about anywhere Dearly beloved we are gathered here today to Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily. Welcome back. This is The Dugout, the Premier League podcast from Sports Social featuring former top flight players. I've got Dean Hammond and Francis Benali alongside me. And there are some huge matches in the top flight this weekend with just a couple of weeks to go in the Premier League season 2021-22. And let's start at Ellen Road where things are not going swimmingly for Leeds United. Just their second season back in the top flight and they are at risk of returning to the championship. They take on a Brighton side who dispatched Manchester United in their last game. But I think Leeds is the focus here. They're in real trouble at the moment, Franny. That last run of three games against Arsenal, Manchester City and most recently Chelsea has been absolutely devastating for them. It's seen them drop into the bottom three. However, their final two games of the season, this one coming up against Brighton at the weekend and next weekend on the final day against Brentford, seem a lot more winnable. How does Jesse Marsh go about mentally resetting his side and saying, listen, it's pretty much a two-game shootout now against Brighton and Brentford because it was always going to be tough against Arsenal, City and Chelsea? Yeah, you, you, you rightly say on that run of fixtures, that's just the way sometimes that the, the games do come up and it certainly hasn't helped Leeds United at all, has it? You know, only that one victory in the last six Premier League games. So, you know, th- th- that wouldn't help them. I think at this stage of the season, some kind of momentum and confidence is key into turning, you know, matches into points and points that you need to survive in this sort of stage of the season. And uh, it's quite clearly at a point now where, you know, it's got to be wins on the board. You know, there's there's no time for anything else but that. And uh, and even then you, you, you wonder whether it's still in within your control. It's And that's, I guess, the only thing that they can control and he can sort of focus his players on is to to keep the, the the mood relatively light, you know, try and keep it stress-free, um, but focused, you know, everyone will know the position they're in and what is required from them. So it's just trying to keep a, a relaxed environment, I think, around the training ground and on the match day. And then, you know, from a playing perspective, I know, you know, having been in similar positions in the past personally, that you just can't wait for the game to come round. You know, the, 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 the days and the build-up to the, the match itself, it's um, it's a long, drawn-out process and there's some sleepless nights there as well, realising that you're faced with the reality of being relegated. So, you know, from a playing point of view, the players will just want to get on with the game and hopefully get the, the result that they're going to need. Um, but it's going to be a stressful time, but one that will be something that will have to be controlled very much by the management team. Well, you say facing being relegated, Franny. A lot of the players that play for Leeds United as the same group that got them up from the Championship to the Premier League after 16 years away. And Leeds are a huge club in this country. I don't think anyone can deny that. They're one of the best supported, most successful sides in the top flight, let alone in English football. So 
how damaging will that be for them as a football club if they do get sucked back down to the second division? Oh, it'd be such a crushing blow, won't it? You know, to to rightly, as you say, the support, the size of the club historically, uh, having come up and, you know, sort of, you would say probably sort of, probably more well-equipped than some of the other sides that have come up. You know, you look at how well Brentford have done and um, what an incredible season they've had and sort of Brighton coming up in recent years and things like that and how well they're doing at the moment. It's it's one of those scenarios, it's, it's such a tough place to come in and, and if you get that that lack of be- form, belief, results, it can quickly change and find yourself in that relegation position. And if you do go down it, as we know, the championship is such a hard place to get back up from. So it's it's going to be a crushing blow to them as a club and the players that have you know worked so hard to get back into the Premier League. Um, you know, it's, it's it's a reality. It's not an excuse, but injuries haven't helped them this season, and they've had the change of management as well. And Bielsa was incredible for them for so long. So yeah, it, it would be a real loss, I think, for the Premier League in lots of ways if if Leeds United were to go down naturally a club the size of Leeds if they do drop the inquiries will start and as Franny rightly says Dean you know you look at the change of manager you look at the fact they've had injuries people will be looking for blame if Leeds get relegated so so where should they be looking is there any blame to place what's your take well I think if it's always a collective blame you know everyone's responsible you have to look at it like that from from players to to owners to to managers to everyone involved there's a collective I wouldn't say blame, a collective responsibility. Uh, one thing I would say that if Leeds do go down, they're in a better position financially and, and structure-wise than they were when they previously went down. So I bet the thing they've got a better chance of bouncing back, but they may not go down. But I think if you look at it, maybe due to what Bielsa did for the football club, I think they were just a little bit too loyal to him. You know, I think they waited a little bit too long. If they'd acted four to six weeks before they did, maybe they wouldn't be in this position. They may have, I don't know, four or five more points than than they had and, and then they would be in a stronger position to, to get themselves out of trouble because the last three results have been difficult for them. But if you look at the five before that, they were five, they were five unbeaten, four wins and, and a draw. So when they play the teams around them of late, they've performed very, very well and picked up points. So they, they're definitely still in this. They've definitely got a chance um, has there been the injuries Franny touched on always difficult again does that come down to the rage, the training regime Bielsa had then Marsh comes in and changes that 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 can cause injuries whether it's as tough as not a change in training can cause injuries so I think it's a collective responsibility and it's that second se- season syndrome isn't it how many teams that get promoted have this um, you know we looked at Sheffield United when they went down their first season they were brilliant I think they finished in the top 10 um, and then got relegated the season after because they couldn't win games. So it's been difficult for Leeds. But, you know, with Bre- Brighton and Brentford left, they've still got a chance. They they really have. And I think there'll be a few twists and turns yet. But, um, yeah, I think if you're looking for a reason, I think they just, due to loyalty to Bielsa, I think they acted probably just four or five weeks too late. Obviously, the players are desperate for Leeds to stay in the Premier League. Is that spilling over, Dino, into the way they're playing? Have they shot themselves in the foot a little bit? Because... With the recent game against Chelsea, they had Dan James sent off. Before that, against Arsenal, they had Luke Ayling sent off. They're not helping themselves if they're playing with a, a limited number of players due to suspensions and red cards. And I think with some of the yellows they picked up against Chelsea, that means it's 100 bookings or 100 cards in total for them in a Premier League season, which is the most ever of any team that have ever played Premier League football since 92. So 
Do you think that that played a part? 100% because if you've got suspensions, you can't pick your best team. It's like injuries. If the players are not available, it's very difficult to, well, you can't pick your best team. So then um, consistency of performance becomes difficult. Building relationship with players, your partnerships, centre-halves, um, central midfield players, strikers, whatever formation you play can be very, very difficult. Um, and yeah, I think of late, you know, the Luke Alien challenge, um, I, I like Luke Alien. I think he's a top professional and been a brilliant player for Leeds. I think that's just a rush of blood and, and some passion, really showing some passion there. But, um, you know, he didn't need to do it. Uh, Dan James last night doesn't really make tackles like that. You know, that's not in his, in his makeup. And um, where that comes from is that instructions for the manager is that getting caught up in the Ellen Road atmosphere with the fans is it disappointment from being a goal down so early so there's there's many many reasons during a game why, why things happen but you know the suspensions definitely wouldn't have helped um, and also I think you know you look at the bookings you said no I think over a hundred bookings you said I think that probably came down to the way Bielsa played there's lots of situations where players have been in one-on-one -on -one situations and would have got beaten so would have pulled a player back would have taken him down which causes more bookings and obviously fatigue because of the way they played at such a high tempo later on in the game you will pick up big bookings when you're tired so mm. it's definitely not helped them though yeah I mean man marking was how Bielsa played the game wasn't it so you're right with those one-on-one -on -one duels and maybe that it does lend itself to to more bookings but let's talk about Brighton their opponents who absolutely demolished Manchester United at home Franny in their last game um, they could finish 10th they could still finish in the top half which would be their best ever Premier League campaign I mean huge credit must go to Graham Potter do you think there will be any concerns I know he signed a new deal recently or at least in the last 18 months but do you think there might be any issues um, amongst the Brighton fans about him possibly being poached by a, another another team I guess they are quietly a little bit nervous maybe that uh, you know when you see your team being successful and club doing well that it's quite often then going to attract the, the attentions of uh, others for not just the players but the management as well and He's been linked with with various roles at certain stages during the season, hasn't he? And quite clearly has done such an incredible job at Brighton. Um, but you know, I, I just get a feel that certainly at this moment in time, that you know Graham seems to be the sort of personality and character. And I, I played with him at Saints for a, a while when we were still playing. And um, you know, he, he's a loyal guy. And I, I, you know, if he's signed a new deal, then I, I certainly see no reason why he would want to be changing at this moment in time. But this is football, as we know, and there's some, some you know strange things that happen at times. And you know, quite often, if there's a package on the table for either the club and or the the individual involved, then um, you know, quite often, the, you know, the money can talk. So uh, you know, I, I, I never, would never be surprised in anything in football, but you know, nowadays, to be honest. But uh, my my gut feel is that he'd like to continue the work that he's been doing so well up till now. Before we move on to talk about Everton, Dean, just quickly on your old team, Brighton. Is it fundamentally a different club to the one you played for? How, how different is it from, from the days when you were strapping that armband on and walking out? <laughs> well, when I was first there, Noel, it's completely different. You know, no stadium, no training ground, no money to invest in players, um, no canteen. Um, got to give you two, <laughs> two or three kits. Got to the make sure there's a canteen. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, two or three kits at the beginning of the season and that was your lot. So you had to look after it. No kit man to, to wash. Um, and obviously now it's a... Premier League football club and um, the training facilities they've just improved again the training facilities um, on the women's side as well I go down there regularly my son's in the academy so I'm down there regularly it's, it's unbelievable um, the, the, the stadium's brilliant um, and it's just a, a really good football club and it's run 
really, really well. The academy's good there now. They're actually starting to bring um, homegrown players through again that are getting into the first team. So there's a pathway as well, and there's there looks like there's a um, some business sense as well from the football club. They understand what sort of football club they are. Are they ever going to compete at the top? Potentially not, but they're progressing. You look at them; they're always progressing as a football club, and they seem to be making which is probably what a lot of football clubs don't do, good decisions. And that comes with signings, recruitment, uh, manager. You mentioned Graham Potter. Um, I think he's done a great job. He really, really has. And it's a brilliant football club. It, it is. Where they can go from here now is really difficult because where do you go? I mean, what are they, ninth in the Premier League? A cup run, winning a trophy would be um, fantastic for for them. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I agree with Franny. Graham Potter, I don't think he will go anywhere because he... He's allowed to manage the football club and he has a big influence. I think even from his point of view now, that he can maybe put a little bit more pressure on Brighton to just maybe invest a little bit more money because it's so hard to do. But I think if they could get that striker in that could get him 15 plus goals, they could push the top eight potentially because they play some brilliant stuff. Yeah, they do. And you know what? I think you're right with Graham Potter. He's not just a first team manager in the sense of coaching the players. It does feel like he has control over a lot of things in that football club, which is obviously testament to the to the way that Brighton have allowed him to do that. And looks like they could reap their rewards this season. They've got a tricky game, though, against Leeds this weekend. And you spoke about making good decisions. One club you arguably haven't this season is Everton Football Club. They're at Goodison Park. They are out of the bottom three at the moment. They've enjoyed sort of a, a mini resurgence under Frank Lampard, but the job is still not done in terms of securing Premier League status for next season. They welcome a Brentford side who seem to have done just that in their first season in the top flight for a number of years. Do you think an Everton victory at Goodison Park over Brentford, Franny, this weekend, if it happens, will be enough to secure the Toffee's survival? Or do you think we'll be going down to the to the final stages of the season? I agree with Dino what he said a little while ago, that I think there's still some real twists and turns to be had, you know, quite potentially going down to the last day of the season. Um, you know, it's great from us observing, if, and if you're not involved with one of the clubs, certainly that are in the relegation scrap, then... You know, the, the interest at the, the top end of the table, the title winners, the chase for the top four and Champions League football, but also the relegation scrap. And um, I think it could go literally to the wire. I think having two home games will could potentially be the the, the big benefit for somebody like Everton um, and how they've done a little bit recently and showing how, you know, that support that they do get from the home crowd and what a difference that can make to them as well could just sort of sway it in their favour a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the difference at the moment is two points. Just to quickly run through the bottom of the table, Everton 16th on 36, 17th is Burnley on 34, level on points with Leeds, albeit Burnley have a game in hand. We'll talk about their match with Tottenham this weekend in a second. So the bottom three, Leeds in 18th, that's the only real position you need to worry about because Watford and Norwich in 19th and 20th respectively have already been relegated to the Championship. Now, Everton's last game was midweek against Watford. That was a goalless draw. I just wonder whether they'll consider that a missed opportunity um, to pick up three points and kind of extend that gap even further. Because as we say, it is only two points at the time of recording the show. What's interesting for me though, Dean, is that the Everton-Brentford games are half four kickoff this weekend, whilst the Leeds game against Brighton is a two o'clock kickoff. So Everton won't be kicking off until just after the Leeds game is finished. Do you think the players and Frank Lampard will be watching that one 
on the iPads, on their phones? If so, is that a bad thing for them to do? Do they only need to focus on what's in front of them? Or will they not be able to help themselves but try and find a, a TV somewhere in the stadium and crowd around and have a watch? <laughs> I don't think they'll be able to, be able to help themselves, uh, 100%. I mean, nowadays, you look at it, most teams now, especially at the top level, um, get together before a long time before the game starts. There'll be pre-match meals. There'll be TVs everywhere. There's TVs in the dressing rooms now. So you won't be able to get away from it. They'll be watching the game live. Um, and it's a huge game for both clubs. You know, like you say, it's only a two points difference. So if Leeds win that game, suddenly Everton, are, well, Burnley would be back in, I suppose, depending on their result. But Everton could be really drawn back into it. And it puts extra pressure on the game. But also on the flip side, if if, if Leeds don't win, I mean, what inspiration and motivation that gives to the Everton players. Not that they need any more. Um, they're playing. I was looking at it, you know, when you go back a few weeks now and if you'd said to Frank Lampard and the Everton players after they lost in the, the FA Cup to Crystal Palace, then they lost to West Ham, then they lost away to Burnley. If you could put them in this position with two home games now um, with Brentford and Palace... Um, to stay into the Premier League, they would have snapped your hand off. So they've got a great opportunity at Goodison Park because the results have been good of late. You know, they're picking up points, they look better, um, they've got more legs in the team, so there's more energy in them. It looks like Frank Lampard has kind of picked his team now and stuck with them, so there's a relationship and an understanding between the players. Um, so, yeah, but in answer to your questions, 100% they'll be watching that game and... I would have been doing the same thing. Even if you didn't want to, you, you just wouldn't be able to not watch it, honestly, especially if Leeds are losing. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been on the pitch as a player on the final day of the season, you know, and, and even during the, the game itself, getting updates from the supporters. Yeah, you've got a geezer with a... There's always one fellow with a radio, isn't there, Franny, going, oh, the score's in the other games. That's right. It was, it was exactly that. Was it a throw-in or a break-in play, whether it was a, an injury or something like that? There was always a moment where the supporters would be telling you exactly what was going on elsewhere. So, yeah, most definitely the players will be following other games, but their supporters will be closely tuning in to other things going on as well. Well, those Everton supporters have been in fine voice in the recent matches in the Premier League. They've given Lampard's side a lift. They'll need to do so again at Goodison Park this weekend as Brentford are the visitors. Now, Tottenham against Burnley is another huge game. Of course, Spurs face Arsenal on Thursday night. We're actually recording this week's episode of The Dugout just before kickoff in that massive North London derby. Antonio Conte's already said it's win or bust for, for Tottenham against Arsenal in that game on Thursday. Um, I suppose that dictates how things will go for them uh, against Burnley, Dean, this weekend. We know that Burnley have got a couple of days to prepare. Tottenham, not so much, because they've got that huge North London derby. So, depending on how that one goes on Thursday, could change the complexion of this game with Burnley, which might hamper or suit Burnley, depending on the way things go. 100%, you know, if if, if Tottenham don't win tonight, um, it's going to be a huge ask for them to get into the, the Champions League. Um, so, it will, it, will, it will affect the... Um, the Spurs Burnley game in probably um, in Burnley's his favour definitely, but also you have to look at it. You know Conte's a, a brilliant manager. He's not just going to let Tottenham turn up and and not care about a game, whatever position they're in. He's he's a winner. You've seen that from him. He takes full responsibility. I think it was from the previous game where um, Burnley played Spurs when he came out and done the interview and said he wasn't doing enough and maybe it was time for him to walk away and he wasn't earning his money. So you know there's going to be some emotion from that as well that he'll want to to beat Burnley 
Um, the game tonight against Arsenal is, is intriguing. I can't wait to watch that, to be honest, because that could go either way. And I think there'll be goals in that. But that's good for Burnley as well, um, because Tottenham are going to have to put so much effort into that tonight because it's they've got to win. They have to win. They have to beat Arsenal. Um, and that's going to be a big ask because Arsenal are a decent team as well. So, you know, Burnley have, again, the, have put a really good run of results together and looked like a good team and kind of taken the shackles off a bit and, and, and pulled some results out. What is it? Four wins and um, one draw in the last six, only losing to Aston Villa in their last game. So, again, we've said it. I, I, this will go, in my opinion, this will go down to the last last day of the season and there will be the fans in the stadiums on the radios fans cheering uh, scores going on it will be really exciting I think and we don't want any jokes about this because we've had enough since he took over from Sean Dyche but Michael Jackson is the interim manager um, and he's won the April manager of the month award at the time Franny we were all stunned that Burnley decided to pull the trigger on Sean Dyche and say thanks very much Dyche after nine and a half years your time's up out the door you go with you know, not really even a, a send-off message to say thanks for your service. It was just, we've changed manager. It was a very cold, almost calculated statement from the club. And yet in comes this interim manager, Mike Jackson. And as I say, wins April Manager of the Month award. I think 30% of the points they've picked up this season came through the month of April when he took charge. At the time, as I say, we're all shocked about Deitch's departure. But if he keeps them up, it looks like an inspired decision all of a sudden. Well, if they do stay up, then quite clearly they will view it as the correct decision. And I, along with a huge number of others, as you just touched on, thought it was the you know the wrong decision to make for Burnley um, and letting Sean Dyche go at that stage. Uh, but quite clearly, Mike Jackson has had some kind of effect on the side and uh, and, and ultimately results, which is given them a chance I think um, you know they, they've always been known and renowned for that fighting spirit and I think that's been a big part still of uh, of what will potentially be a, a you know an incredible survival run um, you know in a late one as well you know it's uh, you, you you quite look at sort of how you can write teams off at certain stages of the season and you know Burnley were probably in that bracket for a while but they've certainly shown that desire commitment everything that you need to do to to have a chance of staying up, but they're you know maybe playing that little bit more football at times as well, and that's they've they've looked quite good and strong on occasions. So, yeah, you know credit would have to go down to, you know maybe the change that has been made, but it certainly at the time didn't sit comfortably with me, and maybe as an outsider, still doesn't to a degree in the way that uh, that football operates sometimes. But we've seen it before. I'm sure it won't be the last occasion as well. And we're just going to see if that roll of the dice is going to play off for Burnley. Yeah, Spurs-Burnley, one of a number of games taking place on Sunday. Villa Crystal Palace, Watford, Leicester, Wolves, Norwich also happening, but so too is West Ham versus Manchester City. And we've already touched upon City. They were absolutely dominant against Wolves, Dean. De Bruyne was sensational. Erling Haaland's on his way. And I think De Bruyne kind of touched upon that with the Haaland celebration for one of his goals. But West Ham, they've had a decent season. They've obviously, um, you know, kind of out of the running for Champions League now. They're out of the Europa League, which would be disappointing. Uh, do you think they can cause an upset at home at the London Stadium? Because the fans have been given plenty to, to be grateful for this season. Definitely. No, I think they've beaten Chelsea at home this season. They've beaten Liverpool at home this season. So they're, they're definitely capable. They're, they're, they're competitive against everyone. They've shown that. Um, I think the distraction of the Europe, uh, Europa Cup has... Um, 
seen that the league form has dropped off, but now that's over. They'll they'll want to finish the season really really strong. They want to get back into Europe because of the the uh, the journey they've had this year with um, the Europa Cup, like I say. Um, and they're a good team. They've got some good players, and and they're good at home. So, but. They are playing Manchester City, who are exceptional. Um, and Kevin De Bruyne last night, I mean, unbelievable. A hat-trick, well, it was four goals, hat-trick. He scored last night, three with his left foot. Um, what a player. I mean, what a player. The one thing that I noticed and probably doesn't get appreciation from is his movement off the ball. You know, if you look at all the goals, when he uh, his first pass and then he's gone. He doesn't wait, he doesn't hesitate, he just goes. He makes that run, whether that's an unselfish run or for him to get the ball again. Luckily, last night he was getting the ball again and scoring goals. But he's, I mean, technically he's brilliant. He's got to be the best, probably the best player in the Premier League at the moment. Probably the best player in, in Europe. And with Haaland coming, I mean, the amount of goals he's going to score potentially. Um, always difficult to tell, but the pedigree he's got and the player he is, he's going to make Man City strong. So, look, is this going to be difficult for West Ham? Have they got a chance? Yes. But do I see them getting anything from Man City in all honesty? No, just because of the position Man City are in and they'll want to win the Premier League. Yeah, and obviously with Liverpool playing in the FA Cup against Chelsea, it's a, a chance for Manchester City to extend that gap at the top of the Premier League table. Agree with you about De Bruyne. It's the way he strikes the ball for me, even with his left foot, which is considered his weaker foot. He just hits the ball so true. Um, and you know, the way that the ball just rattles in off the net when he hits them, um, it's just no goalkeeper's getting anywhere near that. If he, if he gets a clean connection, some of the strikes he can hit um, reminds me of like Gerrard or, or Shearer when they used to get their foot around the ball and, and get a good connection. There's just no way you're stopping that flying into the back I've seen, of the net. I've seen Dino strike a few like that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about that, Brian. It might have been in training, yeah. not in game. You won't even go there about if, my if, right Yeah, if you foot. pull over in the M27, you might find a few balls in the hedges. Yeah, you, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I used to think it was very true, but they just kept on going, I think. Um, let's talk about Manchester City. And Franny, um, someone who you'll appreciate is Mark Noble, of course, who's only ever played for West It'll be his last home game. Um, shares something in common uh, for you. There's not many one-club men around anymore, but what a great career he's had, and he'll like to sign off at London Stadium with a victory. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, what a what a career. Um, and you, as you rightly say, something that is very rare and uncommon now in the modern game. Um, he's been a, a, a wonderful player and servant to the club, and it's going to be a big, big step for him. You know, I'm, I, I haven't seen anything publicly to be honest maybe you guys have but I'm not sure if there's anything about his future at this stage but it's going to be a big decision for him it is for for any player um, coming to the, the the end of a, a time at either one club or their career as a whole and uh, yeah he's, he's going to be he probably would have been thinking for some time now about all his options his decisions and what he wants to do in the future and maybe whether he continues to play but yeah he's been an absolutely outstanding player for them and and, you know, when you see, for me, it's not just the playing aspect of it. And, and Dino would have appreciated and, and, and been a big part of this as a captain in, in your time as well, mate. But um, it, it's quite often the personality and the character of the people as well off the pitch, um, not just what they do on the training ground or in games. You know, when you're seeing things about him, like brushing dressing rooms out and things like that, and those sort of standards and you know, qualities of him as a person, you know, go go a long way in the, the stuff they do in the community. So he's he's certainly, you know, a, a good person by the looks, of, as well as a, a good footballer. And it'd be somebody that would be missed at the club if he if he were to move on. 
I think it's a really interesting debate, which we won't get into now. But if you think of someone like Mark Noble, he, for me, is one of only a handful of players left who straddled an era of football being what it was before and entering this new contemporary era where social media has become a thing. The broadcasting rights have gone through the roof. The other one that I can think of off the top of my head would be James Milner who started kind of at a similar time. So it's like Noble and Milner kind of experienced Premier League football or top flight football as it was kind of before the explosion of broadcasting rights and whether that will change and we'll see players akin to those two in the future. Who knows? Maybe we will see some old school players, but I do think that this kind of the end of of an era ushering out, not just at West Ham, but just in the game in general. And uh, his final home game, Mark Noble, for West Ham United will be against Manchester City this weekend. So as he has his eyes on what he does next, what do players actually do at the end of the season? We're going to take a quick break and then we'll try and find out from Franny and Dean next. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily It is Ryan here and I have a question for you What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. The Dugout Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. Welcome back. Final part of today's episode of The Dugout. Just two weeks to go until the end of the Premier League season. And I'm sure many football players will already be thinking about the summer. There's often that saying, isn't there, that the players are already on the beach or they've got their sandals on or they're already thinking about their holidays. I wanted to know what the end of the season actually looks like and feels like for a player. So we'll come to you first, Dean. Is it true? Are holidays already booked at this stage? Come on, let us into the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? It all depends on what situation you're in um, and what division you're in as well. If you're, like, you're in the Football League, obviously you have the playoff situation. You don't know whether you're going to be around there. Um, it would never be the player booking the holidays. It would definitely be the wife that would probably have it booked since, since Christmas or be nagging the... Uh, yourself to to book a holiday for for the summer Um, but it also depends on what situation and definitely but you know how do you feel at the end of the season tired you're definitely tired you know you're definitely drained it's an intense season Um, you're fatigued Um, but the worst bit for me at the end of the season was always that the season would finish and then you'd be in for two or three days Um, I don't know what it was like for Franny but we'd always be in for two or three days with some testing some uh, information on what's needed to do over the summer, the meetings with the manager, the meeting with the coach, the meeting with the strength and conditioning cut. And you've almost lost focus at that point of view. You just want to completely switch off and it kind of just drags out. You're in at the training ground for a few days um, and the season's finished. So it all depends on where you're at. You know, being in the playoffs is really exciting, to be honest. I enjoyed it. I was only in the playoffs once when I was when I went back to Brighton um, in the championship and we got to the the playoffs and, and that was that was an exciting time there's, there's still a buzz around there so you you get re-energized for for that um but holiday wise yeah it'll be more uh it'd be more my, from my experience it'd be more my wife nagging me going well, when are we going to put the holiday when are we going to put the holiday so um yeah it's an interesting what's the go-to destination dino what's your favorite 
Portugal was always for me. Portugal. Yeah, I used to love Portugal, especially with young kids. You know, the flight's only a, a few hours. Um, weather's pretty reliable. So, yeah, we've, we've been to Portugal uh, many, many times. But, yeah, we used to try and get away as a, as a couple as well. So we, Mexico as well, which was, uh, which was quite nice, I must admit. I know every player is different, Franny, but can players truly switch off? You know, we, we mentioned Mark Noble before the break there. And, you know, there's questions as to whether he might play again or completely retire if he does completely retire he doesn't have to worry about anything for example having a few too many pasties during the summer holidays or a few too many pints when he comes back for pre-season so with that in mind can players actually truly switch off I know pre-season's a time to kind of forget about football and, and relax and chill out but I suppose there's always that little seed in your mind where you're thinking okay I can't be I can't be too off it when I get back for pre-season because I'm giving myself more work to do yeah I guess each individual, every player, every club will have different ways of doing things. Speaking personally, I quite agree with Dino. You know, you needed that physical and mental switch off. Um, and, you know, it's a long draining season, even from a down, you know, and we, we know the, 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 the riches that are there financially for players nowadays. But, uh, you know, you're still effectively, even when there's days off or a little break, you're, you're still on call to the football club almost 24-7. And arrangements can change day to day. You know, you might make plans with your family for what you think is going to be a day off or a structured day off. And that could just change at a minute's notice. And all of a sudden that throws your, your family plans into chaos. And I'm not saying that happens at the end of a season, but... Um, yeah, the, the end of the season is a, a, a key time for everyone involved at a football club. From a playing perspective, I was able to go away, switch off, enjoy not thinking about training and playing and what you eat for a period of time. But I would actually pack training kit, you know, and, and my era is probably different to Dino's. But, you know, we'd, we'd have a date when we'd finish, a date when we'd be rocking back up for pre-season. Anything in between was almost your own time. But um, it's not quite as relaxed as that now, probably. But uh, I used to take training kit away with me on any holidays we used to go on as a family. And and I'd do my own mini pre-season, if you like, before we came back collectively. So uh, I'd, I'd want to sort of be out of the front, trying to impress from a fitness perspective to get my face in in front of the manager's thoughts for, for a starting lineup in the new season. Yeah, I suppose some people dread pre-season and other players actually quite look forward to it because you know, I hear sim- similar things from musicians who kind of, when they come to the end of a tour, they're like, oh, I can't wait to get home. And then after a month of not playing any live music, they're just itching to get back out there again. So I wonder if there are similar feelings amongst footballers. But do you think generally it's harder now to relax for players, Dean, than it was previously just because you know even if you are getting off to the Maldives and hiding away in a beach hut somewhere a thousand miles away from anyone you ever knew there's always going to be someone there's always going to be a Leicester fan or a Brighton fan or a Southampton fan just by chance walking along the beach saying oh look there's Dean Hammond we'll get the camera out and films you know it's almost harder now than it ever has been to to truly kind of step back from the spotlight. It's so true now I mean I look Franny's just touching it you know the financial reward for the for reward for the players now is, is massive, um, and that's part of the business. But I don't envy them. I, I really don't. You know, there's no privacy, especially the top players. There's no privacy for for them at all. Um, even on the holidays and breaks, you know, they'll go away. Um, you've had it before. I, I'm probably similar. Franny is similar. That I'm always trying to be polite to people, speak to everyone. I think that's that's good to do, but it can become a task sometimes when you're just trying to have that family with you, um, that meal with your family, especially when you've got your young children. 
Um, so it can be difficult for the players and obviously the younger players as well that actually want to let their hairs down and, and go and have some fun. You know, some of these players are still so young um, and, and don't have the responsibilities of, of a family. So they'll want to go away and, and have a few beers and have a laugh with, with their mates. And to be honest, it's not possible anymore because everyone seems to be looking for, for a story and waiting for, for someone to slip up and... Um, yeah, quite grateful there wasn't cameras around when I'm younger, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's um, it's part and parcel of of, of being a footballer now, um, which is which is which is unfortunate. Um, but that that's what it is. That's what comes with the territory now. And and uh, some people say that's why they get rewarded so well financially. But it's difficult. It's really really difficult for the players because I agree with Franny. You just need to switch off, like mentally more than anything. Physically, you can get past that in a couple of weeks. But mentally, just to completely switch off and not worry about that expectation of trying to win a game, of trying to get into the team, of trying to remain fit, to trying to always eat the right thing, to get bed, to get to bed on time, to be the best person or player you possibly can. That's the biggest thing for me, just to sit down and relax. What, what was the longest, Dino, that you went without actually physically doing any kind of training? From, say, playing the last game to starting some sort of activity again? Well, I was probably similar to you, Franny. Because I love my exercise, I found it hard to stop. So, you know, it was a, it was a chore for me to, to, to stop, to be honest. I, but I used to, through advice from, obviously, fitness coaches, to be able to then last the season coming through and not get injuries in pre-season. I used to probably try and take two weeks off, two weeks of nothing. But it was never nothing. It was always I'd have a game of tennis or I'd go and play football with my mates. But I mean intense running or training or weights training I probably for two weeks and then I'd be eager, like Niall said there I'd be eager to get back I couldn't wait two two three weeks is enough for me that's the mental side of it though isn't it Dino because we always talk about the physical side and you know you've got to be doing some exercise to keep your body ticking over but you know the, the mental side of things is sometimes you just have to be doing something I'm certainly one of those people that even if I go away on a relaxing holiday by three or four days in, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of sitting on the beach by the pool doing nothing. I need to get up and do something. Let's go out, let's go here, let's go there. I guess it's kind of the, the mental stimulation as well because you know we talk about the taxation on a player's body physically, but you look at some of the players this season, for example, you know we've mentioned Liverpool a lot through today's show. To have played every game in a season and had those emotional ups and downs of winning, losing, might not win the title, might win more trophies, you, know, you, you need to recharge your batteries mentally as well. 100% you have to be able to do that and um, I mean it was always a blessing for me to have young children because it was it was tough and hard work and Franny I know this but you can switch off because you go into their world you know if you go away on holiday you're in a swimming pool all the time you're playing games with them you're doing things that necessarily you might not do or haven't been able to do during the season but which help which does help you you switch off you know I was never a huge drinker, um, especially when I was with the family. So that wasn't a way of, of me switching off. Maybe when you're with the lads, I'd, I'd, I'd drink more, but with the family, didn't really do that. Um, but you do need to switch off. More for the fact that you want to be recharged and refreshed for the new season coming. The worst thing you can do is go back and you feel drained because pre-season, believe me, like everyone knows, is, is tough, really, really tough, physically and mentally. So you do need to take that time even though it can be hard because I'm like you know I don't like sitting around I just yeah. it doesn't suit me yeah 
My final question was going to be about the end of season party, but do you know what? I'll leave that for another day, I reckon. Um, Franny, <laughs> Dean, appreciate your time as ever. Really enjoy having you on the show. Don't forget if you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss an episode of this podcast again. We are the award-winning and only daily Premier League show you can find every single day of the season. And there are only a few days left. There will be a new episode for you. So you can catch us again on tomorrow's show by hitting subscribe. But my thanks to Franny and to Dean. That's it from us and we'll speak to you next time. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily